Welcome back to another episode of Get Psych, Gen Psych, an educational podcast where we talk about the basics of psychology to prepare you their AB or BS psych journey. In partnership with Philippine Normal University's Psychology and Counseling Society, I am MJ, and in this episode, we will continue discussing theories of personality. Don't forget to subscribe to PNU PCS social media for more updates on our podcast. That's PNU Psychology and Counseling Society on Facebook at PNU Psych Council on Instagram and Twitter. If you like this podcast, hit like and subscribe. Previously, we had a chilling introduction of psychodynamic theories of personality by Sigmund Freud, Alfred Adler, Carl Jung, Melanie Klein, and Karen Hornay. In this episode, we will continue discussing several psychodynamic theories. We will get to know our proponents Eric Erikson and Eric Fromm, Carl Rogers, Abraham Maslow, and Rolly May for humanistic or existential psychology. First, let us discuss the theory of psychosocial development proposed by Eric Hamburger Erickson. According to Erickson's psychosocial development theory, the growth of personality is divided into eight stages. The social and environmental forces influence how the genetically predetermined stages of development are realized. For Erickson, Personality development is influenced by both biological and social factors. Each developmental stage has its particular crisis that needs a change in behavior and personality. Individuals may respond to the crisis in one of two ways, a maladaptive or negative way or an adaptive or passive way. Only when the individual has resolved each conflict can the personality continue its normal development sequence. Every eight psychosocial stages develop basic strengths that emerge once the crisis has been resolved satisfactorily. The first stage of psychosocial development theory is basic trust versus mistrust, which occurs during the first year of life. During this stage, the infant is totally dependent on the mother primary caregiver for survival, security, and affection. The infant's interaction with the mother and caregivers determines whether an attitude of trust or mistrust for future dealings with the environment will be incorporated into one's personality. Autonomy versus shame and doubt is the second stage. This stage commences between the first to third year of life, wherein children rapidly develop a variety of physical and mental abilities and can do many things for themselves. Children take pride in these skills and usually want to do as much as possible for themselves. The conflict during this stage is experienced through the child's striving for autonomy and the parent's attempts to control the child through the use of shame and doubt. The basic strength of early childhood developed from autonomy is will, a determination to exercise freedom of choice and self-restraint in the face of society's demand. The third stage is initiative versus guilt, which occurs between ages 3 to 6. 
motor and mental abilities are continuing to develop, children can accomplish more on their own and expresses a strong desire to take the initiative in many activities. If the child is punished and inhibited, the child will develop persistent guilt feelings affecting self-directed activities throughout life. The basic strength of this stage is purpose. Children play with purpose, competing at games in order to win or be on top. The fourth stage is industry versus inferiority from ages 6 to 12. During this stage, the child begins schooling and are more exposed to new social influences. The activities associated with this age mold the children in making serious attempts to complete a task by applying concentrates, attention, diligence, and persistence. Attitudes and behaviors of parents and teachers largely determine how well children perceive themselves to be developing and using skills. If children are scolded, ridiculed, or rejected, most likely they will develop feelings of inferiority and inadequacy. Praise and reinforcement foster feelings of competence and encourage continued striving for children. From the conflict of industry versus inferiority, school-age children develop the basic strength of competence, the confidence to use one's physical and cognitive abilities to solve the problems that accompany school age. The fifth stage is identity versus role confusion. This psychosocial development stage happens during adolescence between 12 to 20 years old. This is when self-image is formed from the integration of one's idea about him or herself and other people's perceptions. During the adolescent stage, individuals experiment with different roles and ideologies. People who emerge from this stage with a strong sense of self-identity are equipped to face adulthood with certainty and confidence. Those who fail to achieve a cohesive identity, or what we call an identity crisis, will exhibit a confusion of roles. The basic strength that develops during adolescence is fidelity, which emerges from a cohesive ego-identity. Intimacy versus isolation is the sixth stage of Erickson's theory. This stage is experienced during young adulthood from the end of adolescence to about age 40. During this stage, a person starts to establish independence from parents and begins to function as a mature and responsible adult. Young adults undertake some form of productive work and establish intimate relationships such as close friendships and romantic partners. In this stage, feelings of genuine care and commitment are developed and could be expressed openly. The basic strength of young adulthood comes from intimacy is love. Love is a mature devotion that overcomes basic differences. The seventh stage is generativity versus stagnation. During middle adulthood or approximately 40 to 65 years old is a stage of maturity in need to be actively involved in teaching and guiding the next generation. This need extends beyond immediate family and concerns a broader and longer range of people involving future generations. A person does not need to be a parent or to bear children to display generativity. Generativity can be expressed through institutions or organizations that provide opportunities, activities, 
or roles to express generativity. Care is the basic strength that comes from generativity. Care is a broad concern for others. It is not a duty or obligation, rather a natural desire emerging from the conflict between generativity and stagnation. The last stage of Erickson's theory is ego integrity versus despair. This developmental stage happens during late adulthood or old age. During this stage of life, the individual examines and reflects on life and looking back with a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. If an individual believes that he or she has adequately coped with life's victories and failures, then that person is said to possess ego integrity. If one review own life with a sense of frustration, angry about missed opportunities, and regretful of mistakes, that individual feels despair. The struggle between integrity and despair is wisdom. With mature wisdom, it maintains integrity despite declining physical and mental abilities. I'm sure that as we tackle this, you have been reflecting on how your childhood experiences have influenced your characteristics and behavior. That's good, because reflecting has always been a good way of knowing and understanding yourself better. Our next proponent is Eric Fromm. Eric Fromm's humanistic psychoanalysis assumes that humanity's separation from the natural world has produced feelings of loneliness and isolation, a condition called basic anxiety. Eric Fromm's basic thesis is that modern-day people have been torn away from their prehistoric union with nature and also with one another, yet they have the power of reasoning, foresight, and imagination. This combination of lack of animal instincts and the presence of rational thought makes humans the freaks of the universe. Self-awareness contributes to feelings of loneliness, isolation, and homelessness. To escape from these feelings, people strive to become reunited with nature and with their fellow human beings. From identified distinctively human or existential needs, relatedness, transcendence, rootedness, a sense of identity, and a frame of orientation. Relatedness is the first human or existential need that drives for the blending with one another. Fromm postulated three basic ways in which a person may relate to the world. First is through submission, second is through power, and third is through love. Fromm believed that love is the only route by which a person can become reunited with the world and at the same time achieve individuality and integrity. He defined love as the union with somebody or something outside oneself under the condition of retaining the separateness and integrity of one's own self. Second is transcendence. Human beings are driven by the need. The third existential need is rootedness or the need to establish roots or to feel at home again in the world. People seek rootedness through the non-productive strategy of fixation or being reluctant to go beyond their comfort zones or to start a family of their own. The fourth human need is sense of identity or the capacity to be aware of ourselves as a separate entity. Because we have been torn away from the nature, we need to form a concept of ourselves. 
we create our own identity that is unique from our parents and siblings. The final human need is the frame of orientation. Being split off from the nature, human needs a roadmap, a frame of orientation to make their way through the world. People who possess a solid frame of orientation can make sense of these events and phenomena. But those who lack a reliable frame of orientation will nevertheless strive to put these events into some sort of framework in order to make sense of them. Whoa! Maybe you were a bit overwhelmed with all this information, but I congratulate you for we are already done with the psychodynamic theories. Yay! Moving forward, humanistic psychology is a movement supporting the belief that humans as individuals are unique beings. The movement grew in opposition to the two mainstream 20th century trends in psychology, the behaviorism and psychoanalysis. Humanists also take issue with the deterministic orientation of psychoanalysis, which postulates that one's early experiences and drives determine one's behavior. The humanist is concerned with the fullest growth of the individual in the areas of love, fulfillment, self-worth, and autonomy. The American psychologist Abraham Maslow, founder and spiritual leader of the humanistic psychology movement, proposed a hierarchy of five innate needs that activate or direct human behavior. These needs can be affected or overridden by learning, social experiences, expectations, and fear. Holistic dynamic theory by Maslow contends that people are continually motivated by one need or another. The first in the hierarchy is the physiological needs, or the most basic needs of any person. These include our needs for air, food, water, and physical needs. When we have successfully satisfied these needs, people are motivated by the needs to rank higher in the hierarchy, which is the safety needs. This includes physical security, stability, dependency, protection, and freedom from threatening forces such as war, terrorism, illness, fear, anxiety, danger, chaos, and natural disasters. After people partially satisfy their physiological and safety needs, they become motivated by love and belongingness needs, such as the desire for friendship, the wish for a mate and children, the need to belong to a family, a club, a neighbor, or a nation. Love and belongingness needs are a reflection of the fact that people are social beings needing the company or companionship of others. Next is esteem needs. This includes self-respect, confidence, competence, and the knowledge that others hold them in highest esteem. Maslow identified two levels of esteem needs, reputation and self-esteem. Reputation is the perception of the prestige, recognition, or fame a person has achieved in the eyes of others, whereas self-esteem is a person's own feeling of worth and confidence. Once people meet their esteem needs, they stand on the threshold of self-actualization, the highest need recognized by Maslow. 
Self-actualization is the desire to become all that one is capable of becoming or to reach one's full potential. Maslow estimated that only 2% of people will reach the state of self-actualization. Maslow identified Abraham Lincoln and Albert Einstein as the people he considered to be self-actualized. The hierarchy of needs model is dynamic. It presents motivation as a constantly changing force expressing itself through the constant striving for the fulfillment of the new and higher level of needs. Instead of stopping when one goal is reached or a need is satisfied, individuals typically redirect their efforts and capabilities toward the attainment of their higher goals. In contrast to what we learned about the psychodynamic emphasis on drives, instincts, and tension reduction, Carl Rogers' person-centered theory of personality emphasizes perceptions, subjective self-report, self-actualization, and the process of change. The key structural concept in Rogerian theory is the self. According to Rogers, the individual perceives external objects and experiences and attaches meanings to them. The total system of perceptions and meaning make up the individuals make up the self. The self-concept represents an organized and consistent set of patterns of perceptions about oneself. Although the self changes, it always retains this patterned, integrated, organized quality. The separate part defined by the words I, me, and myself is the self or the self-concept. The self-concept is also our image of what we are, what we should be, and what we would like to be. Positive regard is a need for acceptance, love, and approval from other people most notably from the mother during infancy. Unconditional regard is the approval granted regardless of a person's behavior. When love and approval are conditional, a state of conditional positive regard exists. Positive regard comes from ourselves, that is, in time, positive regard will come more from within us than from other people. This is called as positive self-regard. theory for today is existential psychology proposed by Rolly Rees May. This is an approach to psychology and psychotherapy that is based on several premises including understanding that the whole person is more than the sum of his or her parts, understanding people by examining their interpersonal relationships, understanding that people have many levels of self-awareness that can be neither ignored nor put into an abstract context, Understanding that people have free will and are participants rather than observers in their own lives. And lastly, understanding that people's lives have a purpose, values, and meaning. Therapists who practice existential psychology treat their clients by submerging themselves in the client's world. Rolly May introduced existentialism to American psychologists and has remained the best-known proponent of this approach in America. May claim that much of human behavior is motivated by an underlying sense of dread and anxiety. 
people experience anxiety when they become aware that their existence or some value identified with it might be destroyed. May defined anxiety as the subjective state of the individuals becoming aware that his or her existence can be destroyed, that he can become nothing. Anxiety is a threat to some important value. It can spring either from an awareness of one's non-being or from a threat to some value essentials to one's existence. It exists when one confronts the issue of fulfilling one's potentialities. This confrontation can lead to stagnation and decay, but it can also result in growth and change. Normal anxiety, the type experienced during periods of growth or of threat to one's values, is experienced by everyone. As students, we experience normal anxiety when major exams are coming up or when we are about to know our grades. It can be constructive provided it remains proportionate to the threat. Anxiety can become neurotic or sick. Neurotic anxiety is simply the opposite of normal anxiety. It is disproportionate to the objective threat. It is important to keep in mind that we should not consider individuals who suffer from neurotic anxiety as suffering from objective weaknesses, but rather they suffer from inner psychological patterns and conflicts that prevent them from using their powers to cope. How about you? When do you feel anxious, and what are the things you do to alleviate your anxiety? Do you think the level of these anxieties is normal, or is it severe enough to perhaps be considered neurotic? I hope you enjoy learning new theories of personality today. This has been MJ, your psych buddy for this episode. Again, my deepest gratitude to all of you who supported us from the beginning until now. For more updates on PNU PCS activities, remember to follow PNU Psychology and Counseling Society on our social media portals. That's PNU Psychology and Counseling Society on Facebook at PNU Psych Council on Instagram and Twitter. We'll keep you posted for new content and exciting activities brought to you by PNU Psychology and Counseling Society. Thank you!